when you when you think about the difficulty of the of the chiva process, and it's it's a really brave effort that that people stick it out in yeshiva. I think it's praiseworthy. It's praiseworthy because it's essentially you know when a person becomes from, as we've discussed many a time before, it's a complete and total rework of every variable that exists in your life until this point in time, and. That can be relatively traumatic, as one may imagine. I'm not sure if I shared with you the thesis that I'm in the process of reading. I was sent this thesis of a person, he wrote this in 1998, which makes it even more interesting because you can feel how it's dated about, about Shiva's integration into from world. And it's, he actually did it for, for York University in Canada as his Master's in Psychology. And he did a, a, almost a clinical study of what he calls the, the psychotherapeutic Balchuva process. So he actually described the psychological dynamics of what it means to become from, given over to a secular audience, a non-Jewish secular audience, and, what the, and he uses a lot of Hebrew terminology, and his, his case studies or his information sources are six mashpim. And mashpia in the Chassid Shivas, I think he's primarily working with in the Chabad system, are the equivalent of what you call in a, in a, in a Lithuanian Shiva Mashkiach, spiritual supervisor. So those are the counselors that are helping the guys get through the difficulties. Now, he, it, it, I'm very, very interested, and in I think his work so far, what I've read of it, has been fascinating. He describes what he calls the authenticity bitchel axis, as follows. He says, a person has got an authentic self. The self that you grew up with, that you used to, that you formed as you, as you developed as, as, as a normal, let's say, outside. You, we, all, we all kind of developed ourselves almost completely distant to, to a certain degree, even those of us who are more connected. Still didn't actually develop in, let's say, what, what in this context would be considered like straight down the line. It's still a change. It's still a change. There's a gap. So we, we developed ourselves, and, and some people developed themselves very, very far away, very, very distant. And and as why anyone's laughing. And it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it means that you've got this thing. We'll call him the person that was. We'll call him. He calls him your authentic self. Authentic because it's spontaneous. It doesn't require any kind of override, any working on. Just who you are. That's how you respond to things. On the other side of this access, access, you've got what, what he calls bitul, submission. This is this new world you're entering into, and you almost have to relinquish that old self in order to incorporate all these new ideals, all these new value systems, all these new different perceptions, and in the process, the bitul is an annulment. That's what it is, a submission, annulment of self. So you've got this access. Now the problem is as follows. It's not so clear, because if you go too far on the side of bitul, so then it doesn't become bitter, it becomes something worse than bitter. It becomes distraction. That even though you need to submit, but if you don't have a self to submit, so then you lose yourself. And then it's not bitter, it's just, it's, it's almost akin to suicide. You know, the suicide, in, a, in, in as much as your authentic self doesn't become absorbed, subsumed, it becomes lost. So on the one hand, there's a tremendous danger when a person gets too, too, submissive, too involved in battle. On the other hand, others who cling too strongly onto their authentic self and they're willing to um, they're not willing to relinquish the basic 
hardware of the way they grew up, thought, and believed. So they, they face a different problem is that they actually never get past a certain, certain barrier. They can't actually incorporate, they can't get to a deeper sense of spiritual connection because they, they're, always, they're always reticent about giving up that part of themselves, that submission. So there's this, <coughs> there's this bit of the authenticity axis that if you, if, you, if you don't get that balance right, so then you land up hurt in some way or another. And then he describes the movement and he says the movement between the bit of, this is interesting, in other words, it's not a progression. It's a pulse. So it's not that you start off authentic and then slowly but surely you watch towards Bittle and then end of the game when you like pass begin for the final time you you get the Bittle certificate. And it just is like this linear progression. It's a pulse. It's a vibration. What happens is you. it's called in the, in the mystical literature it's called running and returning. Running and returning. So what happens is you run towards submission and then you get absorbed into this and it becomes so overwhelming that you actually have to run away and return and reconnect to that, to that authentic self. And then, then that stays with you for a bit and then you come and then you like run forward again. And then you have to retract. And it becomes this pulse of going forward and retracting, forward and retracting. Now, in the ideal way, the way that pulse works is the way it's expressed in the way he said it, which I think is, is, is simple but exceptionally deep. He used the Yiddish expression. Bittel is called, called Gott is Alts. And authenticity is called Alts is Gott. Yiddish expression. Bittel is called Everything is Hashem. And integration, return, is called Hashem is everything. Meaning, when a person goes forward, he's, he's exposed to this world where the grandeur of the Creator completely overwhelms his existence. He sees nothing but the Creator. And in that moment... His being is, is dwarfed, is, is shrunk, is, is lost. So he feels, he feels a sense of threat to being, so he retracts and goes back to himself. In the ideal sense, when he goes back to the self, he carries, he, he takes back with him that experience and then he integrates that a little bit into his life. So he sees in this notion, in this interaction, in that tree, he sees a piece of, as it were, the Rebbein he sees Hashem. So he goes and he sees Hashem in terms of a, call it a mystical realization. And then when he returns to his authentic self, he starts to see sparks of Hashem turning up in the way he thinks, in the way he speaks, in the way he does. And that pulse, that vibration of movement goes along with life and the integration and the bittle start to become closely related until ultimately the self transforms, it's not lost, transforms to a higher sense of self which is called the bittle self. That's like the ultimate. But I thought that was such a superb articulation of this experience of shiva that we're going through. And you see that when issues aren't explored, in other words, when the return to self is not an integrated return to self, so then, as we've spoken many times before, so there's this incredible time lag where a person 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, take your pick, years into the chiva process, suddenly wakes up one morning and says, whoa, who am I? What is this? What are all these mitzvahs that I'm doing? Where have I got to? 
because authentic self was never integrated. There was no Ritzoyev Ashoyev. There was a Bittal, but the Bittal was a loss of self. It wasn't a regaining of self, a different kind of self. And that's a tricky point. So when I sit in a room filled with people, including myself, that are in this process, because I'm also in this process, we're all in this process to different degrees, so it's, it's a very trying process. Oh, it's exciting. It's dynamic. One feels alive. We feel, we feel engaged. We feel, look, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly when you're experiencing it, it's anything but boring. It's anything but boring. It's deeply challenging. It can be painful. It can, it can sometimes feel like amputation and other times like dislocation and other times like revelation and other kinds like revolution and other times like exaltation exaltation thank you that's an Asian in it um, so, so it's, it's, it's quite it's, it's fascinating thank you but before we go on I'd like to fetch, fetch, fetch some type of insight from the second hooded member of the Shear none other than Shlema HaMelech Shlema HaMelech well, now, that's, now that, that, that I believe is a very important question. I mean, if I can put Shlomo's question into my own words, his words were, where can we find that thesis? And I think that says a lot about Shlomo. I really do. I think that kind of encapsulates him. I think, I think, I think we need to spend a little bit of time just exploring Shlomo and that. And that and no, no, much more than that, Shlomo. Much, much more than that. I mean, there's so much more than that. I mean, you ask these simple questions, but they just load it, load it, just load it with so much power and meaning. What Shlomo means to say is that the pursuit, the pursuit, the pursuit for that a desire, for bitter, for spiritual truth is so powerful that don't, don't hang this carrot in front of my nose and then remove it as I laplessly bite into thin air. Is there such a word as laplessly? If there is, I have no idea what it means. But it sounded good in context. Um, rather, give it to me. I want it. I want to engage. Um, what you'll do is, in order for you to experience a thesis firsthand, I will send it to you through the means of email. It shouldn't be too hard to provide you, provide me with your email address. And you'll be able to read it. And be careful, because I think the first, like, I started reading on page 47, because it was very, very technical to begin with. Like, you had to, like, kind of do all the psych stuff to make everyone, to do the whole academic stuff. So it could be I missed important stuff, which I'm going to go back and read it. I just couldn't start reading that because it was too technical. So on page about 47. And uh, after that, it flows. Flowed for me. It's flowing for me. Does flow for me. It will flow for you. As do most things in your life, don't they, Sean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mordechai, do you have something to say? That was a good question. I would also like to. You'd like me to? Should I just make it a, like, a, give me a, should, should we do a WhatsApp group? Can we do a WhatsApp group? <laughs> I don't have WhatsApp, but that was no just a... Uh, no one has WhatsApp. We don't even have... We've all got no, kosher no. phones. Yeah, he's the, just, yeah, what do you need it? A joke. Uh, jo- text messaging. Yeah, exactly. Email, everything. I have free overseas texting. It's called iMessages through the internet. What if they didn't have an iPhone? Who doesn't have an iPhone? I don't have an iPhone. I'm not texting you. Okay, good. I'm glad we resolved that little squabble there. That was good. That was good. So we've, we've done a lot of stuff. Just in the last, in the, I feel like in the last four minutes we've moved forward even so more. Changed my life. I feel like I've changed your life. I feel like your life needs to be changed. <laughs> one, 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 one more question from Shlomo. Now he's in a roll. Let's see what he's going to come so up with now. For some reason, you just kind of be like, bottle where they're not involving the authentic self? No. 
because the bittel means the actual process of bittel means I take myself and I convert it. But when I don't convert myself, you know, I leave myself outside. That's called the loss of self, and then I just pretend. It's, it's such, a, such a subtle thing. A person can easily misinterpret bittel for loss of self. That, that's the subtlety of this process. And then you can hear phrases in his thesis coming like psychopathological stuff. <laughs> how do you know where you're holding? Surfacing. You come to me, I tell you. <laughs> now, how do you know we're holding? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. Very often, very often you, you have to develop a, a lot of self-awareness and knowledge. And, and, and more often than not, more often than not, it's only through a, through a process of trial and error. Like, uh, very often, by Chuva have a very distorted vision of how far they've come. And what one of the great, there are many gauges. One of the gauges is what do you happen? What happens when you put yourself back into what we discussed previously, into that old context? What would happen if I took you, Khalila, and I, I, I allowed your face to escape from its follicle covering? I shaved off your beard, and uh, I kind of put you back on Santa Barbara campus, looking as cool as you always were looking as cool as you always were. And I put you back there and I say, Shlomo, you're free for a day. Oh, no. Amish, be the best. Oh, what's it called? Ramspring? Yeah, Ramspring. Ramspring. Yeah. Ramspring. So take on a Ramspring. You know what Ramspring is. The Amish, before they become part of the clan, I think between, uh, when they're 18 or 19, they, they, they've got a year to go, sorry, they've got a year to go and do whatever they want. And if they come back, Givaldic, then you know that they Taka sincere. If they don't come back, so then you know Taka, they weren't sincere. So there's like similar stories. In Je- of course, in Judaism doesn't like legitimize the Ramspring concept, but there have been stories about people, which is interesting. There's a, st- there's a famous story about two Bochim in, in Lakewood, but it's been reproduced and duplicated by two Bochim in any. So we'll make it, we'll make it generic. There are two Bochim, we'll make them Lakewood Bochim. Good Bochim, Givaldic, Geschmack Bochim. And the Rosh gets the news that their grandmother was a reformed convert and she wasn't Jewish at all. Hence, their maternal grandmother, their mother was never Jewish. Hence, they're not Jewish. So Rosh says to them, Rabbi Isai, we have a child over here. Lemaisa, because they were Yeshiva Bochim. Lemaisa. You know, you, you're not Jewish. So they said, Rebbe, what should we do? So he said, you have to make a choice. So he said, well, how should we make the choice? He said, look, go out into the world and see if you're going to come back, come back. If you're not, not. As the story goes, they never came back. They never came back? They never came back. I've had the same story where they did come back. Oh, I've had see. the same story where one came back and one didn't. Oh, so there's, that's, that's the three versions. I'm going, <laughs> I'm actually going for the, I'm go- no, the fourth is the other one came back. Well, not that one, the other one came back. There's actually a fifth that the Rosh went with them, but that's, <laughs> it. that's not a legitimate version. But the question is, you know, will, that, that's really the question you have to ask yourself. Would you come back? Now, about Shiva in the heady days of intoxication with Judaism, so you ask him this question, you'll say, Shiva, I'm insulted. I'm offended that you even make such a suggestion. For me, the fire of Torah burns brighter than the sun. <laughs> Somebody should <have> at least. <laughs> um, but, 
bat bat what happens years into the game does that fire still now what's interesting about this thesis it was written in 1998 you can see that the Baal Tshuva that he's describing is no longer the Baal Tshuva that is in the Yeshivas he describes that, that, that almost extinct species of the truth seeker that was passionately out there to devote his life to Torah the Baal Tshuva of today is a, is a much more confused I mean I'm generalizing a much more confused entity of someone that's, that's almost bombarded in many different directions by all these different messages that the past has given him, very often there's strong psychological factors which are um, present in a person's decision to become religious. And the truth-seeking component has in many times taken a back seat. That the passion that I experienced in my early days of Shiva, or what the Valley Shiva used to do, and the propensity towards people completely, completely losing their balance and equilibrium emotionally it was so commonplace that it was almost the norm. If a person became from, you'd know that the chances are he'll, like, he'll daven way too long, he'll take on too many chumras, he'll be waking up at, to do tikkun chatzois, then going to the mikvah, mm-hmm. and davening nights, and shachris, and musaf during the week. So... As a result, that was, that, was your, that was your standard. That was the standard about Shiva. So for many years in the center, after going through the experience myself, my voice was the voice of normality. And my, my standard message was, calm down. Don't go too fast. Slow. Slow. And I carried on this message about for two years too long. <laughs> and then I suddenly realized, mm, no one's going fast anymore. <laughs> no one's really caring. You know, how so then I had to come completely change my tune and say, speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up. Fire, passion. Because people come and they just kind of, yeah, you know, where were you in Seder the last three days, Bocha? No, Rabbi, you don't understand. It was just like it was a good movie. Three days, Bocha? Oh, there was a sequel. Three days, Bocha, and a sequel to the sequel. And then there was like another link and another link to the another link. But Bocha, that was three days ago. Sorry, Rebbe. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Josh. Um, I think social media has a lot to do with what you're describing, the change in... Sure. Technology, technology social media, the whole works. I'm saying like there's, uh, there's now like, now we have Facebook, so it means that we, we have like a narrative of our lives. Like, I don't think that used to happen so much. Like, there's this narrative... That like we can see almost how we look to the outside world. Beautiful and, expression. And, and, um, and because of that, so it threatens us a lot more because, like, we, when, when let's say, like, photos of us now wearing tzitzit or whatever are now out there, but that never used to happen before. Or wearing a strange head covering, for example. Wearing a strange head covering. 100%. Um, <laughs> so, so, now, so now that is like. <laughs> Put that onto Facebook. But. Last time you go back to Africa. <laughs> God. No, you're 100% right. And the narrative, the narrative is not a narrative. It's actually, it's a narrative, sorry, it's a narrative, but it's, it's, it involves an entire social group. So it's not just you describing your life. It's you describing your life in the context of him describing his life and her describing her life and how those lives all interact. So I actually, I sent uh, an email to the person who wrote the thesis last night. And I said, the Baal you described no longer exists. These are the issues that are facing the current Baal Are you still working with them? And what are, you, what are your insights? So it would be interesting to see if he responds to me. And I, you, I think social media plays a huge role. Because you're right, back in the day when you came to Yeshiva, all you had was Yeshiva. There was no... National thank God. 
international, well, that was already advanced, right? He's just trying to find kind of like a major move forward. But like essentially you were isolated and you had to kind of confront yourself in this new existence. A big part of it I think is like, is like uh, connecting to, like connecting to the moment, connecting to oneself. And generally we, I think it's not even about sugar thing, generally this generation does not connect to themselves anymore. Yes. They are connecting to a surface projected image of themselves. Uh, I mean listen to this story. This is a story that Rabbi Chaim Rishnaiser told me. And he says, when he heard this, he wanted to cry. He was sitting with his brother. And his brother was on his phone, and he said, Oh, so-and-so just had a baby boy. So it was really exciting news. So he said, when did he have it? So he checked, and he said, uh, Now. <laughs> so he said, well, what do you mean now? He says, no, I mean, he's just, just had it now. He says, check to me. When, 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 how long ago did he have the baby and when did he send the Facebook message? So he said, it looks like there was a minute in between. It's a long time. It's a minute in between. He said he wanted to cry. That the person had so lost his connection to his own world that he can only experience things, he can only experience himself through others. There's no self left. He couldn't sit there and enjoy that moment, which is probably the greatest moment a person can ever experience, of becoming a father for the first time. It's like, it's, there's no words to describe it. And he couldn't, he, could, he wasn't there. He wasn't present at the moment. Isn't that tragic? Isn't that tragic? You want to affirm that how tragic it was? I allow you. That's that sign of your hand. You think, no, thank you. Thank you, Shlomo. I appreciate that. Amazing, how tragic. Oh, oh. Wait 10 minutes. Oh. Heavyweight coming now. Oh, gosh. And now, in front of me, I'm. Water, I'm calling my mom. <laughs> There's and you'll be. Thing, you won the lottery. Center will be expecting yeah. a uh, nice donation. Listen, first of all, correct. So I mean, if you won the lottery, forget about you finding your mom, we'll be finding you. Yeah. In at least three minutes. <laughs> no, you don't understand. That money is not your money. It's Hashem's money. Hashem <laughs> gave it to you for us. <laughs> Evil laugh. <laughs> um, what do you say, Shams? You, you, what do you say? You say you're so stupid in this generation that you have lost complete connection with yourself. You can't even understand what it means when I say there's no connection with yourself. Well, would you like to um, do a subtract hominin to explain to me what, 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 what you mean? I just, I don't think it's wrong to share something very right. nice with the, 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 I know, that's yeah, a problem. you can wait 10 minutes. Well, forget about 10 minutes. Ten minutes. 10 minutes doesn't matter. Uh, you're out in the waiting room because you're not obviously not going to be in the room with your wife while she's popping out a baby. Well, why not? Why not? No. You can be behind the curtain. You can be behind the curtain. Fine, you're behind the curtain. You're behind the curtain. Gone. I mean, if you're in there and things are happening, maybe you wouldn't be like. Ah, yeah, you're outside in the waiting room. You see it like you see it like you get an SMS from the. Do you know, he's uh, probably in America as well. In Israeli hospitals now, uh, I mean, it's an amazing system. When you when people go in for an operation, you give them your your cell number, and they SMS you the progress as it goes along. So okay, and they give you an SMS saying going under now, and they say, oh, what's this squishy muck? And they go, no, I mean, what uh, if you die? Hey. Is a BDE. Really? <laughs> no, don't be stupid. I don't know what happens when you die. They probably say things are getting complicated. Please meet us outside and they get worried. I don't know. Um, so, so, 
Maybe, maybe if you get like, you know... <laughs> that's what someone basically said. They said he, he, he realized, he realized the loss of self when, when he got a BD SMS. BD? Baruch Dynamis. There wasn't even a hashtag. Eh? <laughs> Without the hashtag. It's, 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 it's very interesting. No, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Shoman, the, the truth is, if, if, we, if we do away with all the frivolity and folly that we presently um, working on encouraging in this year, and we just, if I speak to you directly, I actually think that I agree with you. There's a certain degree of sensitivity that we've lost, that we're so disengaged from ourselves, that we don't, we don't know what it means to be with ourselves, so that when we're not with ourselves, we know that we're not. How do you tackle this? So one of the one of the simple ways of tackling it is by keeping secrets. If you keep, if you can keep a secret, if you can keep a secret, it shows that you have your own world. If everything that exists, like what? <laughs> <laughs> In other words, no, I don't mean secrets because I don't mean those kind of secrets, Charlie. I mean so those things should be. I mean, I mean, you have a normal experience, which is really something that you normally share with a friend. But you feel no compulsion or you control the compulsion to share with a friend. So say for example, for example, you um, you're walking this is this one of the most one of the most sad saddest moments in the teal is I was walking with with two other people in the steel. It no it wasn't. We're walking with two other and either none of them are in the room. I was walking with two other people on teal and we were deeply appreciating the scenery and we were completely absorbed in the experience of simply being in that place and the motion of movement and the sounds and the sights and the smells and it was magnificent and then one of the two people took out his camera and took a picture you've just moved from the real to the artificial you've taken something which is an experience and you've tried in, in, in a failed attempt to preserve it You've lost it. So a wedding. Sorry, I'm disagreeing you on this. Yeah, well, you and Shlomo can go together and you can... Why don't you just send him in the Facebook? Photography is not so happy. No. No, 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 no. the memory. You can't remember everything. That's an external... You can't remember everything. Do you know, I know a person, I know a person that he... One of the major facts he had with his colour is he wanted to not have a photographer and not have a video. Oh, yeah, Because he felt it would totally ruin the experience. So imagine, imagine, imagine if there was no wedding photos and no photographer, no video. What would you have left of the wedding at the end of it? Okay, whiskey left over. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey and <a> hangover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And a, a very annoyed colour, probably. <laughs> the memories, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you had, whatever you would have, yeah. would be yours. That limits your drinking. Whatever you have would be all yours. Yeah, and nobody else can have it unless you give it to them. So I, I personally, though this whole photo obsession, I find extremely worrying. People feel that it's almost as if you can only experience a moment if you use a device to experience it. So it means that you've, you're no longer in the picture. You've replaced the experience with a device. Disagree. Sorry. Hey? No? You have both. Yeah. No Maybe. one can take away your reality, your, your experience. That's of course it can. Of course it can. The photo can take it away. Well, you're saying yeah. if, there's a, if there's a surveillance mm. camera that no one knows of that's taking photos the whole time and they, they like surprise you with the photos after that take away from your... That's okay, you don't know about it. 
Yeah, so it doesn't take away from your interest. So if you have an external photographer, you don't know, you have no idea who it is. You're just walking around in the shadows taking photos. And it's the same as saying a CCTV camera is to the picture of them while they were walking. That's exactly, sure. so I'm saying so. A photo, if but you have a photo after, doesn't no, take No, but Aaron, you're taking the photo. Aaron, the point is like this. The point is that what, what, is the, what are the most potent components of an experience? So you can say, you could say, the most potent components of the experience are the objective variables which can be measured, seen and felt. Which let's say, the, the, the color of the sun as it sets, the height of the mountains, the lush green bush. Now that experience is objectified. It means it's not your experience. It's the experience of the scene which is external to yourself. Your experience was way, way, way more subtle. Could have been deep. It could have been sharing that moment with a friend. It could have been the grasp of Emuna that you had when you saw all these factors synergize together. Nostalgia. Could have been nostalgia. It could have been anything. But it was your experience. What can happen is, and there's tremendous dangers, when you take out your camera and take a photo, you then dislocate your experience and you substitute the photo for it. And it's such a bad substitute. Marshall and my dog I think I think a good example. A great example. Could be, um, oh. So I've had this example myself. Oh. Um, you're at let's say a concert. You used this example before. You don't have to feel bad. I again. I, but so you're at a concert, and so you have one experience. So you you just that you think it's amazing. Someone else thinks it was terrible. But then you go back and listen to a recording of that. Um, concert, you may have had this incredible experience amplified by whatever and but it's still not the same like when you listen to it, it's not the same experience it's different, you're having a new experience listening to that same experience that you, you get, have. You get a new experience otherwise your wedding like Triggers memories, memories, okay, they, they fade. Even the best memories fade over time. Say that. So sometimes. So, so the fade. Say that. But no, no, so you lose it. No, no, so you lose your wedding like, memories. So uh, there you've lost the mind of shock. The, the camera is not going to be able I to get it back. Me and my sure brother, every, photo, you get a, feeling of every like, year, like, not every year, but every like two, three years, me and my twin brother, we watch our permits a video together and we just laugh so much because we are reliving some I'm of the I'm not saying that there's no entertainment value to watching your permits a video. I always like to watch it. <laughs> I understand that. But I think but we should have a screening. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's five hours. It's a long affair. Okay, maybe, maybe it's gone in the wind. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can have like a what? summarized version. Yeah, and then especially when the when the photographer is given priority in terms of you know. See, positioning like, like well of course they do because they have to get the best photo so you know like and then as you're about to put the ring on the on the, on the bride's finger they say okay look up here what do you mean like it's the most precious moment in my life and like you just you just distorted it right, right, if you're smart then you can just like pretend to do it all beforehand you can maybe do a rerun <laughs> uh, boy, in other words we have a lot to think about as we forge forward this was the first year on Perik of Derek Hashem um, of course you understand why it's related because <laughs> if you understand, you read the first line. It says, <laughs> The purpose of creation was to give Hashem's goodness to the world. The world is essentially good. Hashem bestowed His goodness upon us. How does it all work out? And what are the connections to what we just said will all be explored in the forthcoming sharing.